tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. Hey everybody, this is Gary from Brighton in the UK, and you're listening to the Tune In Tone Up podcast for people who love to learn about the guitar and want to become better players. Coming up, we've got a great follow-up episode on our last few lessons in which we look at some great ideas and ways to break out of the pentatonic box. Before we get stuck into the show proper though, we have a really exciting announcement which we count as a fantastic validation and endorsement of what we do. This episode, and all our episodes from now until Christmas, are going to be sponsored by the brilliant Truefire. Truefire is an online guitar lessons platform with over 50,000 lessons. Loads of techniques, loads of genres, and it's got some of the best players delivering courses. Teachers like Andy Timmons, Andy Woods, Tommy Emmanuel, Robin Ford, Ariel Posen, and the list of players goes on and on and on. There are also loads of jamming tracks and in the jams, where you have complete control over a jamming track and can join in in whatever part you want with great players who've produced an amazing track. If you click the link in the description or on our website, you will get 14 days free trial. And this is without payment information to sign up. Truefire are so confident in their product that they think you'll want to sign up after 14 days. And if that doesn't make you want to give it a shot, I'm not sure what will. There's nothing to lose. Only knowledge to gain. So click the link in the description and thank you to Truefire for sponsoring our podcast.
Fine play there, Gary. Oh, very Thank you very much. I thought you were the same as awesome too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Amazing. Hi, everybody. Well, welcome to the uh, Tune In Tone Up podcast with Dan and Gary. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we promised a bit more notage, and I believe Dan was just delivering. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm, uh, I do apologise to anybody last time if you um, if you got two and a half minutes in and thought, sounds like a jaded old hippie, what the hell is this all about? <laughs> um, but trust me, you know, the longer you spend with guitar, the more you realise if music is a language, telling stories has got to be a big part of that language. And that's what I was really getting at last time, was sort of making a solo hang together. So it kind of tells the story that you want to tell. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed listening back to it. I really enjoyed, um, you know, having to think about how my own playing could develop uh, and uh, trying to do something similar, actually, when I was oh, cool. uh, practicing a you'll, little bit. You'll be glad to know that the little white men in little white coats didn't, didn't listen to the podcast <laughs> and go, oh, I think we need to put him away. Uh, um, big yellow taxi. <laughs> <laughs> so we promised you more notes, because it clearly weren't enough in last time's episode. So what we want to look at today, we've, we've looked at developing your skills outside the pentatonic box. So we've looked at adding the ninth, yep. turning it into the, the minor pentatonic into the pedestrian minor, yep. a six-note scale, therefore like the blue scale, a hexatonal scale. And we've also looked at adding the sixth, and when you add the ninth and the sixth together, then you end up with Dorian mode. Yep. So this is basically the major scale from the step down from the key you're playing is so if you're in E, we're playing D major, not to be confused with D minor pentatonic. I've seen this happen a lot, but it's the, the D major scale that's starting on the E, starting on the second note in the scale, ending a note higher too. So the selection yep. of notes being that from the D major scale, this giving you the Dorian mode. We were chucking the old blues note in for good measure T. And you can do that. You can do that at will and it works. We want to get away from maybe this box and that box. Yeah. And so I want to show you some moves. I got a bit carried away at the end there, wielding <laughs> my my um, A.E. Dorian sword. But I want to show you some ways of maybe slipping into different scale positions. Yeah. So we're going to use the good old friend E minor pentatonic. Starts at the 12th fret. Yeah. So 12 and 15 on the bottom E string. 12 and 14 on the A, D, and G. And then 12 and 15 on the B and the top E. Because of its wide jumps between the notes, it's, it's kind of a cool scale in its own simplistic way. But used and overused as it is, it also almost becomes abused. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to find some way to add interest. We did talk last week about adding sort of the upper extension to the scale. Yeah. So this means that when we get to the 14th fret of the G, yeah. or an octave down, which would be the second fret of the G string, we can then break away. So we could slide up to the 16 on the G, and then the 15 and 17 on the top two. And maybe even the 19, giving us a more logical sort of finish on the B there. If you're quite comfortable with bending from the probably the end of your fretboard, unless it's 24 yeah. frets, so 21 or 22 fret guitar mm. up to the high E, you've got a whole extra octave in a bit there. You can fret the 22nd too. So you've got that little extension, which will take you so far, yeah. and it helps. A lot of two fret distance between the notes as well when you let it fly. That's right. It's sort of largely connected really because of where you're crossing strings. So normally if you'd have carried on up the G after mm. the 16th fret, you'd have a three fret jump to the next yeah. one. But because we're carrying it over to the B string, it's no longer that yeah. jump. So you can follow that pattern down on the... 12th fret of the A string as well, kind of, I suppose, to, to save you. Yeah. So instead of so going from the 12th down to the 10th fret on the A string, and then yeah. you've got 12th Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the ways that I was going to talk about, actually, right oh, there. Oh, sorry. No, don't apologise, by no means. So, one way we can do this, I discovered this a few years back, 
And kind of sometimes you sit there and you discover things on the guitar and you think, I had teachers for years. Hmm. Why didn't they tell me this? Because this is a neat hack. Yep. It's all well and good knowing a scale in one octave, but that's very limiting. Yeah. Really. But one way that we can, can expand things very easily is by looking at our strings in three pairs. So the E and the A. I was going to bring this out later, but let's do it now. E and the A, the D and the G, and the B and the E. Now, why do I say this? Well, if you... Ah, uh, well, yeah. Can I, can I have a quick guess? Go on. You haven't got that B string distance. So the, Exactly yeah. that. Our guitars are mostly, for the most part, tuned in fourths. Yeah. So that means if we went from E up the E major scale, one, two, three, four, we would reach A. Yeah. If we went up the A major scale, four notes, we'd reach D, and so forth. Mm. When we get to the G, the B is not tuned a fourth apart from G. No. That would make it C. So it's tuned a semitone lower. So anything that kind of happens between the G and the B string is kind of thrown out a little bit. Yeah. So thrown out of sync. There's an amazing guitar player. I'm sure if you've watched reviews and things on YouTube over the years or watched what Ibanez Guitars have been doing in the last couple of years, You'll be aware of Tom Quayle. Yeah. And Tom Quayle tunes his guitar in perfect fourths. Right. Now, this was something he apparently picked up from a guitar teacher that he uh, had back in the day. Yeah. And so he gets to that G string, and then the B and the E are tuned a perfect fourth apart. C, C and F. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's got E, A, D, G, C, F. Yeah. Now, if you look at a six-string bass, the top string would actually be a C, the one after the G, not a B. Yeah. Curious. Okay. So it kind of throws up maybe a few issues when playing chords, but a slightly more kind of... He's a man who likes symmetry. <laughs> yeah. More yeah. symmetry with scales. So there's, there's pluses and minuses. Anyway, to us normal people who tune in a normal way... If we look at these strings, the E and the A, the D and the G, the B and the top E, they're all grouped, the pairs, in fourths, fourth apart. Now, what that means for us is that as long as we can find the note we started on, the E, and then we're going to play across the two strings, E and A, and then we find the same note on the D, oh, yeah. and on the B, we can have... Our own symmetry, which goes across yeah. three octaves. So if we went 10, 12 on E, then 10, 12, 14 on A. So we've got D, E, G, A, B. So we're Slowly we started a note lower in the scale. We sort of ended a note lower, but we're going to complete it in a second that little shape sort of moving up a couple of notes then across and up can then be duplicated on the middle two strings yeah so this is frets 12 and 14 on the d 12 14 16 on the g and then on the top two strings we've got 15 and 17 on the b followed by 15 and 17 on the e and ending at the 19 so we've got three octaves. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very slippery, sliding, easy way of negating our way around the guitar. Because whatever we do, doesn't matter if it's major, if it's minor, if it's blues, if it's modal. If you can fit it, onto those two low strings and you can then duplicate it on the next two strings yeah. and the next two strings with the same shape probably starting with the first note you can't go wrong Yeah. like if I wanted to do E minor I'll do a full E minor scale yep slide at the end. Yeah. 
pretty much works with oh, even nice. number, odd number, even number, odd number. 21 notes there. Do I say odd number, even number? Yeah. yeah. So if I go, or you were playing there, the E minor scale, so this is not to be confused with E minor pentatonic, we'd have 12, 14, and 15 on the two low strings, the E and the A, but then slide to the 17 at the end. Same thing starting the 14th fret of the D. So we go 14, 16, 17. Same on the G, then slide to the 19. And same on the top string, starting on the 17th of the B. 17, 19, 20. And slide up. So this gives us a lot more that we can play with. Now, that was my little hack which can be used pretty much anywhere. So wherever you find even the bottom of a scale position, yeah. for example. So say you were playing E and you went like this, maybe. Let's try something. So starting on the low E, yep. I've got E, e on the G, open, a. then 3rd fret, 5th fret, so G yep. and A, slide up to the B, then across to D, so it's 5th fret of the A, then we're back to the E again. Now repeat. You want a 1720 on the B. Ah, I see. So we change the kind of pattern of. Yeah, I mean, you can keep it exactly the same. But you're going to run out of frets. But the general idea being if you're doing something maybe a little more compact, you can keep it within those parameters. Cool way of uh, you know I've got a twenty four fret guitar and I've covered all the all the notes absolutely <laughs> pretty good so let's maybe have a little jam using our track yeah and see how it comes out now we've got a little more range to play with so we'll go on the top of the track again do you want to start after you just to see it in action if that's all right <laughs> yeah let's brave the last one. Thank you. 
don't get a bit stuck on this. find that in terms of opening up the doors a little bit possibly I think well I think it's I think it's there I think I know what I have to do and I think it's just getting my fingers around it at the moment I think it's sliding up that additional note on the bottom string you know going up four times uh, just kept uh, throwing me a little bit right. so it's just got to get my head around that a little bit it's helpful I mean it's one of those things if you can kind of make it work for you it opens things up I was saying to a student just yesterday when we think of piano yeah. Whoever invented piano had logic on his side. Yeah. I mean, every octave is the same as the next octave yeah. is the same as the next octave and so on. So if you've got a piano with what is it, seven octaves or whatever the usual piano length is, full size, once you've learnt the C major scale, you don't yeah. have to relearn it in different positions. No. Now, with guitar... You do and you don't. There are, as you can see, repetitions of shapes yeah. within a key. But the problem, I think, is that people look at the guitar neck. These markers, these fret markers, these are guides. But we've got to remember that it's not about just playing where the markers are. We need to know the notes in between. And that, obviously, we're going to be in between the markers if we're in a flat or sharp key. So that then kind of means the markers have... A valid but limited kind of use to us. They they, cool. they have a use to us, but it's not like they're going to totally show us the way. You can get guitars that illuminate with different finger patterns, which is great. We call this cheating, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, generally speaking, they're they're a rough guide mm. and probably more useful in many respects to the person who's been playing a few years and the person who hasn't because they're going to logic right okay when I'm playing B flat mm. I'm not on or, you know, for most of my notes I'm actually not on the markers I'm on the notes you know the notes in between them but yeah it doesn't have the same instant logic that piano has if you said to somebody right that's great now play it four octaves higher to a guitar player that would completely freak most people out mm. if they weren't you know very well versed in it but to a piano player, it's fine. Yeah, even the chords play the same thing. The same distance for your fingers and everything, <clears throat> exactly. wherever you are on the on the octaves. So we have yeah. to bring some semblance of, of sense to the electric guitar. Mm. One of the things that I think really helps is if you can kind of, and this is the other thing I was going to bring up before, if you can kind of 
learn a couple of positions and jump mm. quite happily between them. Yeah, because okay. often it's not learning the positions that's the problem. It's actually learning how to go smoothly between them. Yeah. So, say for example, we got this position, which is also quite a popular one. It's going to be the what do we call this? Essentially, the one, two, three, fourth position of the. Yeah. E minor pentatonic scale. Now, normally we would start this on E. So that gives us 7 and 10 on the bottom two. 7 and 9 on the middle two. Then 8 and 10. 7 and 10. That's fine, but remember that your root note, E is the 7th fret of the A. Yeah. That's really important, because if you end on the other note, it will be in tune, but it could sound strange. Yeah. I heard someone... I was watching a thing on the True Fire thing. I heard someone uh, talking about modes of the pentatonic. Yeah. As in, you start on the D. If, when you change from to the 4th chord, you start on a different note and end on the different note. Mm. It's kind of simplifying that idea of playing with the changes, I suppose, in a way, using the pentatonic. Mm. It's funny, I had a very weird, I've probably said this before, a very weird upbringing when it came to the, the minor pentatonic. Somebody somewhere down the line confused me, and then I managed to confuse myself. Mm. It wasn't until I went to have an interview at the Guitar Institute of Technology. Yeah. And Alan Limbrick, who was this, you know, had this deeply South African accent... Said to me, okay, that's great. Give me, give me the uh, G minor pentatonic in uh, five positions, please. And I went and played this bluesy thing. And he erupted at me. I was for the minor pentatonic. The nostril solo. <laughs> and what I'd done is I'd got the baby in the bathwater and everything else going with it in the kitchen sink in my playing. Yeah. So to me, because no one had told me different, I had the notes of Dorian plus the blues note, and I thought that was the blues scale. No one had ever separated them out for me. Yeah. And I just learnt these notes that worked and thought they worked with the blues. It must be the blues scale. We didn't have the internet back then, really, either. So it's not like I could easily check without buying a music book or... Yeah. You know, it's the thing you kind of never ask. You're sort of waiting for the teacher to present you with the... Yeah. You know. And he sort of showed me, and I kind of followed him, and I sort of realised, okay, these lock together, and it's kind of like the outline of a scale, because there's some three-fret jumps, and and then I learned. But I had to go back and relearn that there's this. There's this. There's this. There's this. Going from Dorian and just adding the ninth and so yeah, so you, low, you like we did. You, yeah. yeah, so you've got the minor pentatonic, you've got the blues, mm. you've got the pedestrian minor, you've got the Dorian. So they're actually four scales which are very, very closely related and closely related in what they they can do for you. Once I separated those out, I kind of understood. And what you realise is, and this was a revelation to me, is actually there's more than one scale that can be used over a number of different things. So that was opening a door for me. But yeah, so if we're going back to our position four. Yeah. What we want to do is travel from here. To here. From the fourth to the first. Yeah. Now we could simply go through position five. And that's absolutely fine. So what I would suggest is it's sort of learn maybe some sequences to link to link the two patterns together. So I kind of have... 
strings. You've probably heard me play before. So this is hammering on two strings. So in this case, seven and ten on the A, and yeah. seven and nine on the D. And then returning to your second note. Yeah. That's the point I would go up. Now you yeah. could go straight up like that. Or what you could do is carry on up. So we start. Yeah. Now we're gonna carry on up those two little strings. So I'm on the I'm on the twelfth fret. Twelfth fret of the G. A G. So we got on uh, same position. Then move up. up. Then uh, move along. Then move up. Yeah. Okay, cool. So. In fact, you know, anything is fair game within yeah. reason. Okay. You could do the three notes one. Now that sort of changes a little bit where it sort of falls out of the sequence. So then you really want to go. Yeah. So you could do it as an actual sequence. That one's easier to play, sort of all in one position. So, so if you're if you're in position one, it's a lot easier to play that one and sequence it. Otherwise, you may get some. You do it the other way. It's just your leaps will be a little different in places. Yeah, it was alright on the first the jump between the first two. So that was kind of right. If you should have moved up. That was kind of right. If you sort of avoid that bit where you go on to the, the G, so yeah. you do it like this. it with so you could end up here connect with that or carry on going yeah okay yeah I can see the principle yeah. <laughs> So we can connect. Cool. You can also connect using like the four note patterns. Yeah. 
again, you can, you know, you could come in down. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that one. Starting in the 19th fret. Just in pairs. Yeah. You can make your way down as far as that pattern four if you wanted to. So just taking taking the B top E top B and the top E string. Yeah. And just running down the yeah. four notes. That. I went into the pattern four at this point, so okay. You go all the way down. The power of sequences. I was explaining to a kid yesterday. We were talking about him taking a guitar exam, the Trinity Rock and Pop 3 exam. And I said to him, because we, we, we were saying that it's really about playing three songs. One of them they call Technical Focus. That's a little bit more difficult. But at the end, you can choose between what they call Playback which is the teacher or examiner plays something, they've got to replicate it, usually yeah. like a four-note phrase, a few of those. Or they can improvise. And he's like, oh, I don't like the sound of improvising. And I said to him, what does it mean to you to improvise? Yeah. Now, to many people, it's kind of probably Bear grills, out in the wild, eating disgusting things. Without a safety net. <laughs> Without a safety net. <laughs> and truly using what's available to you. Now, actually, if we take away the kind of like off-the-cuff bit quite so much and think of that phrase, using what's available to you... Yeah, the trick bag thing from last time. Right, exactly. So to have a few things down that are available to you to use and deploy as you so desire is no bad thing. And you're still improvising because it's not like you've written this down. It's not like you've gone, oh, yeah, in bar 38, I'm going to have a harmonic on 54 ledger lines above this music. Yeah. <laughs> we're not saying that. What we're saying is you've got this bunch of licks. How you put them together is up to you. Yeah. So to me, I don't really care what I, you know, what um, key I'm playing to a point. So, like, if I'm in G, I've still got stuff there like this. Yeah. You know, if, if somebody said, right, I want, I want something a bit Phrygian. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> time with that mode to know that I can do that and it'll yeah. work yeah so it's about having things that you can just pull out the bag excellent yeah in a way and that you can use those sequences are a good little hack aren't they they're a great little a great little great hack way of getting from one place on the fretboard to another yeah well often people don't think about it and what they do is they get this annoying blues pattern <laughs> And 
and they try and whiz through it as fast as they can. And realise it's quite hard to play through it fast. Now the yeah. trick here is sequencing. Because once you've done a scale, it's done. Yeah. In seconds, it's over. Yeah, those notes are done and used. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas when you sequence things, lasts that much longer. And if you can sequence it across patterns. of a sudden it opens everything up a little bit so i'm not saying you want to lose your melody yeah. and just become a robotronic like oh i'm sequencing threes and groups at four yeah yeah i'm not saying that you have to no. do that but it's nice if you want to play melodically fine play melodically <laughs> still use all those little connections i didn't use it to the greater extent yeah. but they were just there just connecting little bits yeah amongst yeah. my melody because you don't want people to sit there and go it's a really melodic solo i'm falling asleep nor yeah. do you want people to go i've heard all these licks before i'm bored so if yeah. you kind of use this stuff so that you've got fast bits and slow bits long licks short licks yeah and just use it you know it doesn't matter what you sound like at home I think this is one of the biggest problems in a way that people almost perceive that they, they want to follow a backing track of a set song yeah, and make it sound exactly like that. And that's okay. That has its uses. But if you want to be a guitar player in your own right with your own sound, mm. in a way, you're better putting your time into things that, okay, maybe it doesn't sound the best while you're practicing but it will pay dividends when you go to actually play mm. and when you go to actually get out there and do something. Because you want to do this stuff with ease. You don't want him to be sitting there thinking, oh, I've got this fast lick coming up and I'm grabbing my pants. Yeah. You, know, you want to do it with ease. It's quite nice to get to a point in your playing where you can kind of not be scared of it. Yeah. I remember, I remember. I think I always was quite scared of improvisation and soloing. And that's slowly dissipating as I gain a few more skills, I think. so. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's people People want to play something fast and they don't know what to play. And I know we've said this before, but I've used it as like, as an example, it's, it, it's akin to taking the family hatchback on the Dakar rally. Yeah. And it's like, if you are trying to take good old fashioned standard blues licks and just speed them up, 90% of the time, it's going to sound crap. It's not going to sound nice. Yeah. It's just going to be, you know, meh. Whereas if you want a fast lick, if you want people to go, wow, you know, when I first heard Joe Bonamassa, I was like, oh, there's definitely a lot of the Eric Johnson thing going on there, but a little bit more bluesy. And I sort of pulled his playing apart and you find it's full of these sequences. Yeah. This is how he does it. You want to know how he does it. This is how he does it. It's full of these sort of sequenced little sections. Yeah. whereby he will strap notes together. And also the other thing that you can do as well is say you want to make something symmetrical a little bit. Yeah. Like we looked at this pattern here, pattern four that went seven and ten on the A and R. If you actually play that note there, which is the F sharp instead of the G... You're kind of giving it the, a bit of the old pedestrian minor, aren't you? Yeah, okay. And making it more symmetrical in doing so when it comes to doing those faster licks, all of a sudden...
smokehouse for a few hours. You know, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. get, you get the idea. You get you the idea. Bringing through at times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of cool. Yeah. And so sometimes actually doing things like that can give you a more symmetrical way to run down the fingerboard. Yeah. And at the same time, you're serving yourself quite well note-wise because you're getting a, a little bit extra in there, a little bit of something different that you didn't have before in the straight scale. But yeah, I would strongly advise, if you haven't got it already, folks, and if you can still get it, I'm sure it's in print, go and get Guthrie Govan's book one on creative guitar. Book one and book two are amazing. Yeah. Book one has lots about sequences in it. For yeah. this very reason. Yeah. You know, if you want to get better at picking, remember you've still got to, with hammering on and pulling off, you've still got to get the timing right of where you're going to pick. And a lot of people actually find that quite hard when they first do these things because now you're making, you're making your picking and do something regimented. But it's a lot quicker than learning to really fast um, alternate pick or whatever. Yeah, okay. Cool. But try some... So the take-home from this one, folks, is remember about what's duplicated on the A&E on the D and G can then be duplicated on the B and the E. So listen to the first part of the video for that. Also, remember about connecting scale positions together. Don't stop at just a couple. Look at another one. See how you can connect it. See if you can get these sequences going. Because if you can, because a sequence can be learned like a drill. And this is the other thing. When you get odd notes, odd numbers of notes on strings, that's harder for your picking hand. When you get, so if you can arrange things so it's not, that helps. If you can get even numbers of notes on the picking hand on each string, that helps as well. Mm. So, like the fours and the twos and the sixes and the eights, all of those are a little bit easier to pick, I would say, usually. Try and get these connections between scales going. Yeah. Remember how it sounds is primary. So if you want to do the thing where you go down the top two strings like we did using that sequence of fours, groups of four notes and then join up with a normal regular pattern mm. going sort of across the board you won't notice the join yeah yeah you won't notice the join at yeah. all so try these things out it will supercharge your playing so even if it's in a small way <laughs> Yeah. And you okay. could practice that little one anyway. Practicing that little nugget will give you access to sort of expanding it over the whole scale. Thank you very much. No worries, Gary. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, more notice was <laughs> promised. More notice was gained. Indeed, more <laughs> notice you may have. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas, and well informed thoughts about amps, pedals, and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud, or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs, and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do, and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Hey.